Hi, everybody, and welcome to, <laughs> you're going to do that in front of me anyway, aren't you? And welcome to Zombie Creators Reveal Their Secrets. And hopefully all of you here are interested in either becoming or creating zombies. Maybe not becoming, that would be a little <coughs> bit cheeky, although there are cool. some zombies out in the audience, I see them already. So with us on our panel today, um, we're going to start, I guess, right next to me. So we oh, have, we are? Yeah. <laughs> so we have Sherry. I'm Sherry. And you have, you do steampunk, I know, which I love. And do you have anything that's coming out this year that everybody needs to know about? From a zombie standpoint, uh, I have uh, the next steampunk book comes out this September, and I promise it has zombies. And they're in New, in New Orleans in the 19th century, so I actually get to call them zombies. I just have to leave the E off the end. And uh, so that will be, I believe, this September. So, yes. I don't think I have zombies or anything else I have out this year. No. No, I don't. <laughs> and next we have Yvonne. And what have you got new coming out this year? Hi. Like bellow into the mic. You're going out on the radio so all the ships at sea are listening to you. <laughs> SOS. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, I'm Yvonne Navarro. I have um, a brand new novel out called Concrete Savior. It's a it's a, the second book in a series called Dark Redemption. The first one is called Highborn. And alas, it's not zombies. I have written my version of a zombie novel called Dead Rush. I've written a bunch of zombie stories here and there through the years. Um, and uh, I do have copies of Dead Rush in the, the other room when I get to that table thing. I'm taking the place of Weston Oaks, who is my husband. And he's supposed to be here. <laughs> so this is Husband on a Stick. This is Weston Oaks in his zombie shirt. Um, Empire of Salt is his zombie book. It's out by Abaddon Books. It's a little hard to get in the United States. It's sold out. Mysterious Galaxy. Six. 627. Table 627 does have copies of it. Um, it's very popular. It's a very good book. Not that I'm biased or anything. And next to Yvonne, we have Jeff Marriott. Marriott. I always want to say your name wrong. <laughs> Don't know why. Uh, and what I know you've done a lot of, uh, I know you've done vampire stuff because I'm a Buffy fan. <laughs> but what have you been doing in the zombie world for us? In the zombie world, um, mostly I've done two graphic novel, comic book. Um, projects. Zombie Cop came out from Image Comics. Um, it's very cool, as, as Vaughn says. Not that I'm and, biased or anything. <laughs> and uh, a Western horror miniseries called Graveslinger, in which we never used the word zombie. <coughs> and we didn't really think of the, the monsters as zombies but more as undead killers who happen to eat people. <laughs> and then eventually we realized, we're kind of writing zombies here, but we won't admit that we're writing zombies. We'll never say that these are zombies. So, so I wrote Graveslinger, which may or may not have zombies in it, depending on your particular, particular personal beliefs about zombies. Um, and I don't have any zombie stuff coming out in the near future. I have a CSI novel next month, and I have a... Uh, Dark Vengeance, which is witches, coming out in the fall, but uh, but no zombies on the horizon. But you know, zombies always kind of creep out there anyway. Wasn't that their job? That's in their job description, creepy, yeah. right? Yes. And all the way down at the end, oh, hi. hi. <laughs> we have uh, Dean, and you. What have you got going on this year? I have nothing. Um, <laughs> nothing. My zombie credentials are thin. Uh, I've been uh, really for the past decade or so doing television, but not The Walking Dead, unfortunately. So, uh, but my 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 only tie to zombies. Uh, uh, Fifteen or so years ago, I wrote a movie called My Boyfriend's Back, which was a zombie comedy uh, that came out from Disney, and I wrote Friday the Thirteenth Part Nine: Jason Goes to Hell, uh, which had, I guess, dead things in it that came back to life. So, um, so I'm happy to be here. I have nothing to tell you about. <laughs> 
And uh, so my my boyfriend's back. Does that? Yeah. Are you familiar with that old song? Yeah. And which is now "Thank You Very Much" running through my head. And well, I'll out. tell you, I got friends back, and you're gonna be. Sorry. I got really yelled at um, in a, in one of the reviews for that movie because the the movie was never called my boy. When I wrote it, I, I called it Johnny Zombie, and. Um, and the studio, in their infinite wisdom, decided to change it to My Boyfriend's Back without asking me or anything like that. And they also were too cheap to buy the song to put in the movie. So then I, there were reviews on the movie taking me to task for calling it My Boyfriend's Back and choosing not to put that song in the movie, which I had absolutely nothing to do with. But that's, uh, that's how that got to be that. Wow. Okay, let's talk a little bit about what, since Jeff started this out. That's why I can't push it. I'm Sorry. sitting next to you, I can hardly hear you. Okay, let's talk about what is and is not a zombie. Is a zombie, Jeff started this one out. So everybody, what is your take on what qualifies a zombie as a zombie? You said something about the E in New Orleans. Oh no, that was, I mean, I didn't. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I don't know. I like zombies, and I think they are awesome specifically because I grew up as, as a goth, and I was all about the vampires, and I was lucky I didn't have the sparkle vamps, because about every 20 years, ever since you know, 1897 when Dracula came out in the UK, every 20 years, every generation since then, there has been some exciting new vampire thing. And uh, the, the great promise of vampires is that they will make you, uh, if you become a vampire, you become special and um, rich and maybe French or whatever. And, <laughs> but, but zombies do the exact opposite. And that's why I don't really think vampires are terribly frightening unless they're really handled in the Nosferatu angle. But zombies say to become a zombie is to lose everything that is special about you. It turns you into something that's just like everybody else. I mean, you, you lose everything that makes you you. And so it's kind of the flip side of that coin in an interesting way. And, and uh, no, I mean, just Walking Dead, you can, you can come at it from a bunch of different angles. One of the most interesting things to me about zombies is the way, especially over the last hundred years, they've kind of come to be a stand-in for whatever we're afraid of. Uh, the, the first zombies in Pulp Fiction uh, tended, to be, uh, tended to be people of color who were revolting against something or another. And that was very threatening to certain kinds of people. And after a while, you end up with, with the religious zombies, and, and then you come to uh, the 1950s and, and Romero, and then you have scientific zombies, because we're afraid of the atom bomb and all these horrible things. We don't really know what we're doing with science. And uh, in this day and age, a lot of our zombies are sick. They're not even dead. You have 28 Days Later, you have Resident Evil. And uh, it, it's just it's interesting to me to kind of watch the way they evolve with society and, and, and their way of talking about the things that frighten us. Uh, and kind of giving us a metaphor and, and something to shoot at in video games when we can't shoot at people unless they're Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, what do I find frightening about zombies? Um, I don't want to <coughs> eat other people. I'm a very picky eater. Well, actually, I'll eat almost anything, but I, I want it to be good, and, and I'm sorry, but a lot of you just don't look really appetizing to me right now. Um, because I think mainly because I don't eat sushi unless it's cooked in some way, and, and zombies eat raw people. So, but I, I do agree that it is the the loss of self and the loss of control. Um, and 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 let's let's face it, you know, when you have the the zombies munching down on other people, that's a pretty horrifying thing to do to experience. And I don't want to do that. That's that's pretty scary. And and. You know, to, to, in most of the things, you usually get bit or infected, um, and that looks pretty painful, and I don't want to go through the pain. Um, I, just, I just don't want to go out like that. On the bright side, when you hang out with zombies, they don't, they don't usually walk too fast, so you can, you can keep up with them without working too hard. And, yeah, but what about know, they, the ones that run, They John? always know someplace to get a bite, so they're kind of, they're kind of fun. Um, the one thing that I wrote that was intentionally, specifically zombie, was zombie cop. And the idea of that was we've all seen many, many times things about people who are afraid of zombies and the focus is always on how do we get away from the zombies. So zombie cop, the protagonist is a cop who during the course of an investigation is infected with the zombie virus and is becoming a zombie and knows it and 
as he's losing his mental and physical and <coughs> emotional faculties and becoming this shell of what he used to be, he's trying to solve the mystery of how the zombie virus came about in the first place while he still can. So it's, it's really about the regression of someone from human to zombie. And that was my attempt to put a, a different kind of spin on the zombie story and to explore specifically that loss of self, that loss of, of identity that, that the ladies are talking about. I forgot what the question was, but, <laughs> but it, um, I, I can tell you this. It, 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 when I, the, the, the thing I was working on was, um, y you know, my take on it was uh, trying to find a way to use uh, zombie uh, issues uh, to explore teenage uh, problems. The, uh, the, this, this movie was basically about a kid who uh, was so in love with this girl um, that he, uh, uh, at the end of his senior year, he asks her to the prom and then he gets shot and killed at a convenience store robbery. But he comes back from the dead uh, because he really wants to go out on this date and uh, take her to the prom, uh, except he's beginning to rot and, uh, and he desires to eat the flesh of the living. So, um, but he's fundamentally a really good guy. And um, he just really wants this date to kind of happen, except, you know, instead of just having sort of pimples and, you know, that sort of thing, his face is literally rotting off and, you know, things in his body that he might want to use prom night are, be, are not functioning and beginning to fall off. So he's, he's having sort of a lot of issues. So, um, you know, so it was kind of, it was kind of largely about that and, and, you know, largely about the, the sort of, you know, paranoia and, and issues that you run into just sort of, you know, as a, as a teenager. Um, and the one thing that I, I ran into that I, I'd love to know if anybody could solve this problem because I, I, I couldn't. Um, it was fundamentally, even though it was a comedy, it was kind of a romance, you know, he was taken to the prom. And here's what I discovered. It was very tough to make zombies romantic in any way. You can do it with vampires. You know, pe people have very successfully done it with vampires. But I really struggled to, to, <laughs> to make people invest in them in any romantic way at all. And I don't know, has anybody read any yeah, or seen any? I have a really great recommendation for what? that. Uh -huh. And uh, full disclosure, he's a friend of mine, this guy named Mark Henry, who did the uh, happy... Mark Henry, yeah. Mark Henry, who did Happy Hour of the Damned, uh, Road Trip of the Living Dead, and uh, Battle yeah. of the Network Zombies. Basically, his stuff is uh, Sex in the City meets Dawn of the Dead. And the zombies are, it is filthy. These are, serious, these are adult books. These are not for kids. And the funny thing is they've been marketed as chick lit. And they kind of don't do terribly well, because they're making fun of chick lit. I mean, they're, yeah. they're, they're filthy, they're funny, and, and I just can't recommend them highly enough. But his zombies do have personalities, and, and he kind of goes a different direction from the... Yeah, not loss of self, but almost in it. I, the way Mark comes at it, it's like just because you're dead doesn't mean you're any more virtuous or better than you were when you were alive, which is something that always bothered me about ghost stories, where now the ghost is your guardian yeah. and you're, no, it's just a dead asshole you knew before. Um, no, but I think probably the most telling thing when it comes to zombies versus vampires, though, I mean, people lobby on the internet to become vampires. They, like, hunt for vampires that people they think are vampires turn me into a vampire. People will shoot themselves in the head to prevent themselves from becoming zombies. And I don't, I, and we talk about the teenage thing, yeah. the teenage angst being so intense as it is too, I, I can certainly see an overlap going on there in, in an awkward but interesting way. There's a I microphone over here. I see we've got a question. I don't necessarily see, zomb see vampires as being sexier than zombies anyway, because I think about that blood breath, and that's got to be horrible. So, so why, who wants to get up close to a vampire? Did you have a question? Oh, uh, the guy's name is Mark Henry, and it's uh, the first one is uh, Happy Hour of the Damned, and the sequels are, you know, easy enough to track down once you know the first one. Yeah, he's a truly funny guy. He's he's seriously, if you ever get a chance to see him come out at anything and do anything, he you'll just it's awful. He's wonderful. <laughs> Speaking of um, something kind of amusing, has, has anyone out here seen Dance of the Dead, the movie? No. You have not seen that. I kind of stopped at the blog of the dead or whatever that no, was. No, no, Dance of the Dead. We, husband on a stick, and I rented this um, kind of on a, on a fluke, and then the dang CD or DVD wouldn't work, and we brought it back on the, the last day to watch it and thinking we'd just get our money back, um, and they fixed it. So it was either go home and 
and watch it that night or have paid for this movie and never watched it. So we sat there and we're like, okay, great, we're going to watch this movie. This thing is hysterical. It's hysterical. And I bring it up because it does have a little bit of a romance aspect to it. Um, there is a scene at the, at the end of the movie, without giving any, any big spoiler, um, which takes place at a prom yeah. where you, you have zombieized teenagers at this prom dancing with each other, just kind of, you know, leaning on each other. And, and, <laughs> and because this has been like this ongoing romance throughout the movie, it's really kind of touching. So that's why I bring that up. Um, I guess my next question is going to be, is there an age range where zombies have, do I want to say zombies are appealing? <laughs> um, is, you write about teenagers, um, do they like zombies better or do they make better zombies? I think they make better zombies, <laughs> but that's just my personal opinion. Well, I don't know. I think once, you know, once you're zombieized, you're going to rot at the same rate anyway no matter how old you are. Now, they might be a little bit stronger. They might not be, uh, you know, they might not have some pre-existing disabilities for old people <laughs> when they're chasing you. But if they have the appetite of teenagers, they could be far scarier than old <laughs> <laughs> That's right. In my kind of idle experience, zombies, people who cosplay zombies tend to skew a little older. And, and this will sound maybe really ridiculous or maybe not, uh, I, I participated in one of the big record-breaking things in Seattle that's already been record-broken. Uh, but the, the thing that was really great for me was, was it, it takes all of the pressure off of you to be pretty. I mean, that's funny. <laughs> there's, like, yeah. Dress as trashy as you want, look as messy as you want, and mm -hmm. in all these pictures of the crowd, everybody is looking as aggressively awful as they can. And there's something extremely liberating about that, because nobody has any expectations of you as a zombie. Yeah, that's true. It, it it removes all those like societal yeah. things that you get and it's flipped an out of. Yeah, equalizer a great equalizer. Yeah, and I think that um, <laughs> not uh, certainly to grossly overgeneralize, teenagers are still kind of caught up in learning how to navigate a social world and still learning what the distinctions are. And I think maybe that's not always as comfortable to them to become just like everybody else. But but there's also the admirable persistence of zombies. Oh, what a great band name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> It, like the, the really frightening thing about uh, zombies, and again, zombies versus vampires. I've done a bunch of panels on this kind of thing, so this is where my sound bites are. So bear with me. Um, you can negotiate with a vampire. You know what it wants, and people do try to negotiate with vampires, and, and, and they want to talk to them and interact with them. You can't negotiate with a zombie. It doesn't want anything. It's just not going to stop coming. And um, I thought Max Brooks did a really great job with that in World War Z when he came at a few things. So like somebody watching this one zombie that just digs and digs and digs for weeks and weeks and weeks mm -hmm. after a chipmunk or whatever it was. But, but the unstoppable, it, like you can run as far as you want. You can climb as high as you want. You can go as deep as you want. It doesn't matter. It's never going to stop coming and you will never be free of that. Kind of like the Terminator. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> Only uglier. Kind of smellier. Speaking, oh, oh, sorry. Speaking yeah. of the great equalizer, I don't understand the um, that final big guy at the end of the most recent um, movie. The the oh, what's the? I just had it in my head um, with Mira. Uh, I can't remember it now. My mind is Resident Evil. Resident Evil. I don't understand the the big guy who was bigger than everyone else. When you know, everybody else was just kind of the regular zombie. Yeah, right. And he just kind of popped out of he, he's nowhere. From, he's from the games. It was yeah. it was kind of an Easter egg of a reference. Okay. All right. The tomato surprise thing. Yeah, he's a he's yeah. a bearing boss character. Okay. See, you lose it if you don't know it. The reveal was very hand wavy. <laughs> it's like, uh, there was a comet. That's kind of all you get from that. Yeah. Um, I got taken to task by Charlie Strauss for my unscientific zombies, and that was one of the best. I, I got more traffic from that guy. I'm going to send him freaking flowers if I ever meet him. Uh, and it, it, people argue about that. Like, well, how much do you reveal? Uh, um, 
Again, I would point at vampires, but only because they're convenient. I loved Anne Rice when I was a kid. The Vampire Chronicles came out when I was still pretty little. And, but the problem is the further you went into the franchise, the, you knew this, these people on a cellular level, and there's just no mystery. Like, you don't really... Once Lestat's a superhero rock star, really, who gives a damn? Yeah. Um, so if you don't want to explain the zombies, I, I do some hand-waving in mine, like, uh, there's this volcanic gas, because it's Seattle and Rainier's right over there, you know. Um, so I freely admit that that would, was hand-wavy and very a wizard did it. But if I didn't have anything in place, it, it kind of, I don't know. I think it just depends on whatever, what kind of story you're trying to tell and, and where your focus is. Or Yeah, I mean, if you're, if, if you're writing a story that involves trying to dial back the zombie infection or cure it in some way or something like that, then yeah, you would probably... Yeah, if you're probably, seeking a solution. Yeah, exactly. Then you'd want to get into the cause because it, it, it's you know, germane to the story that you're trying to tell. If not, you know, if you're not telling that kind of a story, then maybe it's, <laughs> it's you know... You don't necessarily need to get into it unless it's just you've got a really cool take on it. Well, so many zombie stories aren't about zombies; they're about the people. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they're they're like disaster movies, or, or they're essentially the books are disaster movies in, in word form, where the zombies are the disaster, but the story is about the people trying to survive the disaster. And it can be more terrifying if you don't know the reason behind the zombies or the disaster, and therefore you don't know how to even begin to go about solving it or fixing it. All you can do is hope to survive. Right, and it, if you think you've gotten rid of it, it could pop up because you don't know why it started to begin with. Copycats. Copycats is what I have to say. Zombiehunters.org have been doing it for years. I still think that's great, though, that an I, actual government organization I thought it was good. Now, wouldn't they I be surprised it. if it really happened? <laughs> okay, that's not funny. We're host if that happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's kind of fun. I mean, you know, everybody's, you're always looking for a new take on things, you know, and, and that seemed to be, I mean, it seemed like the remake of Dawn of the Dead was also introducing. That was really good. What, was that, that was a really good remake. It was terrific. Yeah. It really, did everybody like that, the remake of Dawn of the Dead? <laughs> yeah, it was a really terrific uh, movie, and um, that was Zack Snyder, right? Yeah, who then did 300 after that, so it, yeah. And how many people were really surprised the first time they saw one of those zombies take off like a rocket? Oh, it was great. That when was, you thought they were just going to shamble around, you're like, whoa! That was a great opening sequence when that kid oh, <laughs> goes just tearing after them. I, I, I loved it because it was just so unexpected, you know, and it's like, a lot. sometimes you find yourself with this kind of stuff, like, how am I going to bring something new to, to you know, a, a genre that's been around for Surprise. a while? Surprise! So. <laughs> well, I mean, one of the... When you're doing tragedy specifically, but I think it also extends to horror, the, the trick is to make it as bad as it can possibly get and then reveal that you're only halfway there. Yeah. And that opening scene did that about three different times yeah. <laughs> in the first five minutes. And I was like, wow, that was, that was really tight. That was very nicely done. Yeah, it sure was. No happy endings there. No. Well, I don't know. <laughs> as long as you don't watch the end credits and the extra material, then you can just believe that they got away and it was fine. <laughs> Good. Shut up. Of course, if you don't actually know what's happening to you, it might be happy enough. But Ving Rames is Ving Rames is totally on my you know end of the world apocalypse team. Yeah, you you <laughs> you want that guy. <laughs> I want that guy. He's fantastic. If anybody's getting out alive, it's gonna be Ving. It's gonna be Ving. I'd rather have the slow one chasing me. Yeah. Um, I like them all. I think, you know, I think, whatever serves the story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think the idea with uh, the fast zombies being better or stronger, I really think the idea is just that they don't have a central nervous system functioning the same way anymore, so they don't feel pain. And because, like with Zombieland, I didn't really get the impression that they were superhuman, just that they were kind of sick and aggressive. 
and uh, they don't really feel pain, so they don't respond to it, so they just don't stop coming. Um, but I, I don't know, it, it, whichever serves the story. I mean, it, it depends on yeah. what you're trying to say. Well, we should ask that guy's opinion. <laughs> Just <laughs> what totally kind is he? I think he's the expert here, maybe. I mean, hu husband on a stick wrote a story called The Crossing of Aldo Ray. And in the story, um, it was from the zombie's point of view and, and started out as human. And it, it followed the transformation from human to zombie when he really didn't realize that he had been bitten and infected. And what was kind of interesting about that story, I thought, was that he talked about walking and losing the feeling in his legs and having it start with, he couldn't feel his feet anymore. And he felt like he was just floating. And then he couldn't feel his legs and he wasn't tired anymore. So you know, that, I thought that was kind of an interesting thing in, in explaining or justifying or, or just giving a reason why zombies don't seem to feel pain. They don't really feel anything but hunger. Yeah, there's a nice simplicity to them. Yeah. Why are they hungry? They're dead. They need energy to keep moving. It's like, it's like a car. If you don't fill the gas tank up, it stops. <laughs> Why do the zombies hunger? <laughs> Starved to death, I believe was the yeah. was the conceit there. Yeah, personally, I feel like they're going to eventually decompose. I, you know, there's especially if they're not taking in anything to feed the body. I, I tend to wander a little bit back towards the <laughs> biological aspect, um, and if they're not alive, then they're dead and dead flesh decomposes and eventually, you know, kind of like in The Walking Dead, in the one scene where you see the, the one just kind of pulling itself along and it's barely more than a skeleton and the, the legs are gone and everything is gone. I kind of think that's what's going to happen um, if, there, if there were a zombie outbreak that they would all eventually decompose um, and then all you have to do is worry about the new ones. That's just my personal opinion. <laughs> As creators of zombies, what's the hardest thing about dealing with your creations? What's the thing you you really wish maybe zombies couldn't or wouldn't or aren't? The thing that you struggle with? Oh, I love them just the way they are. <laughs> Anybody? I don't know. The, the hardest thing about... I guess, is your, is your creation perfect as it stands? Or are there things that you struggled with? I, I, I don't know. I like mine. I, I, <laughs> I, uh, I like yours, too. You know, my, my, um, no, I, 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 didn't really, I didn't really struggle with it. I mean, I, a lot of it has to do with, you know, the, the conceit of the world that you build around, you know, the, the zombies. And, <laughs> like, in, in the one that I did, the, the kind of the conceit of the thing was that Nobody was really shocked that there was a zombie in their midst and going to school. They basically, they just teased him. They called him dead kid. You know, they, he was just like, you know, he was just, he was just kind of an aggravating kid. And um, uh, so, you know, I think everybody finds their own kind of conceit for the way that they want to, you know, tackle their, their there are zombies, and, and the you know the issue then is just um, does the standard mythology of, of zombies work for you, or do you have to tweak it? And um, you know we were talking about fast zombies, and, and that's a little bit of a tweak. Um, but you know in in general, I, I I don't know I I don't I don't see them uh, being broken and needing fixing. Now to come at it from another angle, though, I guess um, the thing I found most challenging about writing about zombies, and at this point. Uh, one of my older books had them in, in a different capacity, but, but the, the steampunk books specifically all have zombies in them, so I guess I've done one, two, three. I just finished a fourth one. So I've done five zombie books. After a while, it gets really challenging trying to think of new ways of describing being chased by zombies. And, and um, that sounds kind of mundane, but it's true, because you realize you're using all the same verbs. I imagine it's a lot, about writing, um, a lot like writing about sex. I mean, there's only so many verbs. Everybody knows what it looks like. Um, 
<laughs> but you have to and keep presenting. A lot of shambling. A lot of shambling, right? Yeah. <laughs> but but it, 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 when these scenes keep coming up, because people do keep getting chased by zombies, you, you kind of find yourself falling into the same ruts and same patterns. And like, ah, oh, how do I mix this up? Yeah. You know, I've, I have now written so many zombie chase scenes that I, I don't, I can't tell them apart anymore, and and I find that unfortunate. And a lot of times, you know, zombie stories tend to be usually about Sweet. not the zombies. You know, they, they tend to be about the characters that are fighting. The zombies are just a menace. You know, uh, whereas, like, you know, in vampires, a lot of times they're, they're more likely to be characters inside of, of the book that you would, you know, follow. Well, let's see. I actually have been threatened to ask this question, so uh -oh. it goes back to the shamblers or runners. <laughs> Question: Which kind of zombie do you prefer? <laughs> the ones, the, the traditional ones, or the new, the the runners? I guess. Like Bond said, if I'm being chased, shamblers are good, <laughs> and otherwise, I'm open to uh, either speed. Thirty-three, forty-five, or seventy-eight. Thank you. <laughs> what, what are some? I mean, obviously Max Brooks, and then you got um, the One Star Train. Oh, do we have to stick with books? I love zombie video games. Love <laughs> so much. Uh, well, Zombieland got thrown out. That was a lot of fun. Uh, the 28 Days slash Weeks franchise is really great. Uh, it's kind of like saying, saying, name a famous blonde. I don't even know where to start. Yeah, <laughs> like, um, yeah okay, well, let's okay, start next to me. Famous. Okay. Um, the Dawn, I loved the remakes, the Romero remakes. Yeah, and and um I don't know, you don't see it so... There, there's been a handful of them. When they're good, they're very good, and when they're bad, they're really not good. Okay. No, I'm not mm. familiar. No. I can tell you my favorite zombie movie. It's Return of the Living Dead. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Why? What? You don't like it? You can't kill them, you know? Yeah. That's what I like about it. Like a I, level or yeah, they, they really are like the Terminator in that movie. You just keep taking stuff off them, and they just keep coming after you. And it has great lines like "send more paramedics." Yeah, that's probably why I gravitate to it. My favorite zombie books are a series of uh, short story anthologies called "Books of the Dead," edited by John Skip and Craig Spector. Just terrific, terrific stories in there. Oh, John Joseph Adams. Oh. Compendiums, The Living Dead and Living Dead 2, which I feel kind of like a jerk recommending because I'm into. <laughs> but, uh, they're, but they're wonderful collections. They've got a lot of really great people in them. And um, there you go. I already did. I already brought up Max Brooks. Come on, man. And then you brought up Max Brooks. How many times are we going to talk about yes. Max? <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. Okay. <laughs> yes. um, we keep hearing about your favorite movie or whatever. Um, what's the worst zombie book? Again, it's like saying name a famous blonde. <laughs> oh, the, the okay, the new, um, the new with finger quotes, the the more recent Romero one where it's the guy with a video camera and it's trying really hard to be meta. Diary of the Dead. Yes, it was like oh. it was literally the kind of movie where someone says something like, "I'm going to put it on my blog," which is a weblog, <laughs> and I'm just like, "Oh my God, you could do better than this." No, this is terrible, and it just it's just. It was weak, except for I loved the mute Amishman. He was totally badass, and he was not in it enough. Uh, he only gets like one scene, but but the rest of the movie is irredeemable. And if it weren't, you know, George, everybody, nobody would have paid that movie five seconds worth of attention. And I was extremely disappointed in it. But. Yeah. No, I skipped. There was it. a sequel to it. Uh, God help to Diary. Yeah. What was that? Island, yeah, something like that. Survival of the Dead. Oh. Really? Well, unfortunate. How the mighty wow. have... Uh. Well, it's a terrible movie. Let's make it again. <coughs> oh, Shaun of the Dead was fantastic. That was a terrific oh, movie. Did you like that? No, I loved it. Okay, all right. Okay. All right, okay. We're back on firm ground, you and I. All right. Yeah. I, had a real, I had a wonderful time doing a write-up of that just because... Um, I, I was in graduate school too long and I think too hard about stupid stuff, which is why they wouldn't give me a PhD. Um, I'm of the opinion that if something is part of popular culture, it's popular, and so that makes it worth examining. And a lot of people think that if it's not obscure and, and completely 
inscrutable, it's not worth studying, and I think that's bullshit. So, um, but with Shaun of the Dead, it was just so interesting to me watching the break, watching the breakdown of how there's, um, it's a story about a guy trapped in a pattern, and they, they go to the bar every day, they go to the pub every day, and the, when the zombie outbreak happens, he, they literally don't know what to do, and they're stuck in their rut, so they go to the bar. And, and just kind of watching that be funny, and then not be funny, and then not be funny, and then not be funny, and it was, there, I think there's so many combi, uh, com, zombies, comedy, zombies. Um, the line between horror and humor is very, very fine. It's, it's essentially just context. You know, one guy hits another guy over the head with a hammer. Is it the Marx Brothers or, or is it Stephen King? You know, nothing but context will tell you that. And um, they're both based on, on the same element. That's surprise. You laugh when you're surprised. You scream when you're surprised. And I, th I think it's, it's so easy to put them side by side. And, and a lot of times people uh, come at zombies and, and they don't take them very seriously. And I, I think that's a mistake. I, I think that, they're, that there's stuff to be said with them and by them. And Shaun of the Dead was one of the first movies I'd seen in a long time that was prepared to take itself seriously. Just like, like World War Z was one of the first zombie books I'd read in a long time that made no bones about the fact that it was taking this very, very seriously. And uh, that's really, really interesting to me when people do things like that. So. The only place I, I, the line that I draw, and I don't want to read it, and I don't want to watch it, and I don't want to write about it, I, I can't deal with animals being harmed. I, I, like, it's like I, I get that bad things happen to animals when bad things happen, but I, I don't want to read it. I want to write about it. And, I, and I, I never, I always had a hard time with Resident Evil because of the zombie Dobermans. And I was like, I don't want to hit a dog. <laughs> Come on, you know. So uh, that, that's the only place I tend not to go. And that's a, preference, a personal preference thing, but, you know. Um, <coughs> I, the way I, I tend to, to deal with stuff that, that I, I'm uncomfortable with is... If it needs to be in the story, it's going to be in there, but I'm going to leave most of it to the reader's imagination. I'm going to talk about something is happening, and then it's done. You know, I, I have a book, um, I think it was Mirror, yeah, Mirror Me, and it, the first line of the, the book is, the things they did in the dark to the baby were unspeakable. But you never actually find out what they did. But that's enough. That was enough to actually get get it mentioned uh, as a something that um, people who don't like things that happen to little children should not read this book in Publishers <laughs> Weekly. <laughs> and that's all. You know, I mean, it talked. But you a got mentioned bit. in Publishers yeah. Weekly. I mean, it talked about later on what had been done, but then it was in the past, and it, it was you know adults talking about it from more of a, a police investigation no gory details, you know, living in the moment kind of a thing. Now, now it had been sort of dehumanized and turned into, a, you know, a 20-year-old file. Um, so, so I tend to deal with that. And I think that things like that, I, I wouldn't do well with animals either. I have three Great Danes. Um, so I, I, think, I tend to think that stuff like that, really strong stuff like that, should be left to the, to the reader's imagination. Because frankly, each person, depending on how they feel about it, is gonna go to their own level for something that you don't spell out for them. The scariest things are the things that you don't spell out. And that's why to me, you know, when you go really gory in in a book, a print book as versus a comic book or a graphic novel, to me I'm just like, yeah, yada, 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 let's go, let's go, let's go. I know he's eating her arm, let's go, let's go, let's go. <laughs> well I think it's also important to make the distinction between something that's frightening and something that's just disturbing. Like, I, I really like scary stuff. I love scary stuff. And I understand that in scary stuff, you know, disturbing things happen sometimes. But I, I think it's entirely possible to be frightening without... I, I, it's something I always promise people if you read about a, an animal in my books, like if, if there's a kitty on the front. Usually they, a lot of storytellers will treat the animals as the canary in the coal mine. You know, you know that things are really bad when someone eats the poodle or whatever it is. Um, but I don't ever do that. The animals in mine always survive. <laughs> and, and I don't care if it's completely illogical and it doesn't make any sense. The animals come out the other side. But I, I still think that it's, it's doable. You just kind of work within your own confines of what you're comfortable with, regardless of, of like, I'm very comfortable frightening people, and I have a lovely time doing that. But I don't, I don't want to write about animals. So you were never good with the opening scene of Dead Zone? in the book. I uh, never actually saw it or read it, so, yeah. Okay, I won't. It's all right. <laughs> skip it. Oh. Just skip that whole first Made it this far. Scene. Yeah. That's just so my every, hang up. Every writer has 
lines that <coughs> that they go up to, and sometimes I do try to push my own comfort zone because it's not everybody's comfort zone, and and maybe I can get deeper into what's really inside scaring me if I if I Bless explore you. that a little more. So occasionally I will push the line. I don't I don't think I've injured any animals in the books, but but it's entirely possible that I have. Yeah, I can't do anything to the Great Danes because no. Vaughn and Wes are my neighbors and they'll come over and beat me up. We had a Great Dane who passed away not terribly long ago. She was 13. It's a good age. Good dog. I don't want her to be a zombie either. So. Do you have any lines that you cry? No, I, I have no lines. I, I, no, they don't do anything. I, I no, I, I really don't. I mean, to anyone. Like I, I mean, for the most part, I, I've been working in television for the last decade or so. So he has I, no soul left anyway. I have no soul. I, I, you know, at this point, all I do is I just write what I want, relying on the fact that standards and practices are going to tell me what I can't do anyway. So, um, so no, I let other people tell me what I can't do. Uh, I'd love to work on The Walking Dead, but uh, they, the they did. They fired the whole staff and then hired a. They, they yeah, did. They hired a new staff. I don't know the, the scoop on it, but um, it was terrific. I know. Well, maybe they felt like just one or two of them were the ones doing all the heavy lifting, and I, I don't know though. So I, keep those one or two. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, it's it's Frank Darabont's show. Um, I don't know if he did the majority of the writing, or I, I don't know, but I, I think it's a great show. Have you been watching it? Well, it takes a long time to make. You know, those, those cable shows are really handcrafted, and, and it's, uh, it takes a long time to produce those episodes, more so than a lot of network shows. But uh, I know that was the It, you know, it, it did network numbers. I mean, it was. It, it actually almost changed the industry in the sense that it, uh, you know, it did numbers that people didn't think cable shows could do. Um, so Even now, my dad you know. Watched it. Yeah, I mean, you know, so now it's, it's uh, you know, I, I think it, it probably made networks get a little nervous, and they started going, geez, you know, we're not the only game in town now that can attract this many viewers. And it, it was great. I, I agree, yeah. Is writing... She's got a question. Do you think that our um, mortgage It is kind of the last taboo. And it, well, there's another one with regards to dead people you're not supposed to do. Um, <laughs> no, I, I do think that's part of it. And, and, and uh, cannibalism is the last thing that, that you don't get to talk about and don't get to do. And, and it's really interesting to me. I, I have seen, you know, let's do this. Um, people in body modification communities, the people who go really, really hardcore with it, will, uh, it, there's, there's kind of the spiral of, of, of piercing things, cutting things, cutting things off, and then eating things. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I'm serious. I mean, this is something that they do. And also, um, one of the books I was reading fairly recently is called The Murder Room, and it's about the Vidoke Society uh, solving crimes here, you know, in cold cases and whatnot. And one of the directors of the Vidoke Society has a graph, basically, for how to tell if someone is becoming a serial killer. And it is so precise that it is a closely guarded secret by the FBI because they're afraid if it gets out, people will treat it as a roadmap. It has never failed once. But the end result is always at the end of the spectrum. If they are allowed to continue, people of a certain psychosis, the last thing they do is start eating the dead. And, and so th there is kind of that, that morbid fascination with that. Because it's not even that it's something that we, we want to do, but because we're not allowed to do it, we want to know about it. It's, it's you know, things that you're not supposed to eat. It's the original sin. You know, you want to take it back that far, so. Hmm? Oh, here. It's called The Murder Room. I've, the name of the guy who wrote it eludes me. And his, his prose is sometimes a little effusive. No, not stilted. <laughs> but it's, it's a very interesting book, and it's about some of their cold case files. And, and uh, I, I, I did a write-up of that, too. I was just fascinated by it. Are there any other questions that I missed? There's a lady now. Yeah. 
Um, S.G. Brown's uh, uh, Breather is a love story. It gets into that quite a lot and, and what personality you have left and what you, what you take with you after you go. Um, I think they should explore everything. Mm. Yeah, just explore everything. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be a good story. Do a story about a planet after the zombies have completely taken over and the one guy who gets infected with humanity. You know, it's like the one zombie who starts turning back into a regular person. It would be pretty funny. Zombie survival plan. I think they're still recording this, so I'll just repeat that. Actually, I kind of do. Um, I grew up on the Gulf Coast, and we had to evacuate for hurricanes half a dozen times a year. And so I, ha I am in the habit of having a go bag. I have a go bag. And it's got all the stuff you'd expect, you know, first aid kits and all that, but a bunch of stuff you don't expect unless you've evacuated a bunch of times. Like, I have extra toilet paper. I have soap. Soap is the first thing that runs out anytime you evacuate for anything. Um, and extra glasses, because I see very poorly. I've been clinically blind since I was a kid. I, I can't see you very well. I'm nearsighted in these, but farsighted in my contacts. So, uh, and vitamins and prescriptions, and, and uh, I swap it out and update it yearly. And I have some weapons. I don't have any firearms on me, but that's okay. Uh, I have a Leatherman, a big multi-tool, and, and some cash, and everything just in one big vinyl bag, because you just don't know. And, and I live in Seattle right now, and they, they have these, these programs called Three Days, Three Ways, because they get earthquakes there uh, intermittently, and they want you to be prepared in case there's an earthquake. And I, I have a couple flats of water, and my go bag, and, uh, and extra cat food. I always have an a, a extra bag, and usually a big, <laughs> like, Costco-sized thing of toilet paper stashed somewhere that we just pretend we don't have, and if you need it, well, you got it, you know? Um, so no, I, I do tend to be prepared for these things, and people always make fun of me until they need something. <laughs> and then suddenly I'm everybody's best friend. But I recommend um, just go to the grocery store and get Seven Day Saints candles. They really do burn for seven days, and they're like $1.99, and they have cool designs on them. Uh, so I've got a bunch of stuff like that hanging around and, and uh, the stuff that turns out to be useful. But I know the CDC released that thing recently. I seriously recommend zombiehunters.org. They've been doing it longer. They're also paramilitary. They're lots of fun. I actually met these guys when they came through the Zombie Film Festival in Seattle. Ooh, which reminds me of another, another really great movie that is not terribly well known, Zombies of Mass Destruction. If you've seen that one, if you haven't, it, if you describe it, it sounds awful. It sounds so sad and terrible, but it's funny as hell and it's wonderful. It's about an Iranian-American family that gets caught in the middle of a zombie outbreak that is assumed to be a terrorist attack. And uh, they go after this family. But it's actually really funny and it's really well done. <laughs> and it's, it's just wonderful. And it's filmed uh, on uh, one of the little vintage communities out on the peninsula in uh, the Olympic Peninsula, and it was just beautifully done, and I recommend it. My survival plan is I live way, way out in the country, so it'll hit the cities first, and we'll hear about it, and we'll be all, we'll have plenty of time. <coughs> Plus, I'm like 12 miles from Mexico and, and 30 miles from New Mexico, so, so wherever it is, I can escape to somewhere else. But according to, to Husband on a Stick in the crossing of Aldo Rey, the zombies came from Mexico. Then I would go the other way. Oh. I still got time. Okay. Border, there's border patrol. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't have um, a zombie survival plan, but I have. I've always been thinking about it, and I have a lot of firearms and a lot of ammunition, <laughs> and I have um, a great early warning system because one of my great Danes is blind, and she barks at everything. <laughs> she barks at rabbits that she can't even see, but she can smell them. Um, and the, the house that we're currently in is um, front and back Oops. Uh, yards are walled. Um, but I always look at the front yard and think, I wonder if they could climb that. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. They could climb that wall. That's not that high. Yeah, you've seen that You one. need to, like, put glass and razor wire. Yeah. So, but, but then, and then I, I look at, I look at the, the front. There's a little patio off of the master bedroom. I'm like, okay, I could get out if I needed to, because I might be able to jump to the garage roof, but how am I going to block off the upstairs if they get to the downstairs, because there's no door at the top of the stairs. So I do think about these things. Uh, I, I don't, I'll be the first one dead. <laughs> I'll be, I'm, I'm the guy at the beginning of the movie who gets killed before the movie starts. And then, <laughs> I'll be that guy. Kibble. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I like kibble. That's good.
That was the best one I've seen in a long time. Yeah. This actually had a fairly decent budget. Um, <laughs> no, the other major subplot of Zombies of Mass Destruction is there's this gay kid bringing home his partner. He's going to come out to his mom. And uh, <laughs> well, but it's kind of the fun. Uh, and there's this crazy little religious community that doesn't think that it's a terrorist act. They think it's an act of God, and so the sinners must be dealt with. You know, like, it just gets so politically adorable. Um, it does, it, but, but it's funny. It's fantastic. Like His partner has this T-shirt that says, I'm with him with a big arrow. And then they get picked up by these crazy parishioners from this little tiny church, and he's like zipping it up and covering everything. Yes. And they have a special treatment room where they think they can fix all the gay people, and it's just. But it's fantastic, and it has a fairly decent budget, and uh, it was really well made. It was very nicely done, so I, I can't recommend it enough. Not very long ago, it's within about the last three or four years. They debuted it at the Zombie Film Festival in Seattle, and my buddy Mark was one of the MCs for it, which was why I went out there, and uh, saw it screened then, and it was really very good. So. I think I'd hole up yeah, away from out. the rot. <laughs> well, I, at some point, a situation stabilizes, even if it stabilizes in a fashion that you don't like. I would kind of wait for that to happen. Yeah. That's what I would do. Yeah. My or you can go with the crowd. The and just he lives out in the middle of nowhere. He's a zombie. <laughs> yeah. But I don't like to eat. Oh, Mac or PC? Mac. <laughs> Mac. PC. Totally Mac. Sorry. PC. Boys yeah, and I, I will say this PC. though. If okay, if you learned how to do your computing on a PC, Macs are extremely counterintuitive. But if you are, if you start on a Mac, then I mean, obviously they're the best thing ever because a lot of people love them. I, I'm, I'm not a hater about it. I don't care. I, I worked on one for about five years when I was working uh, for an online warehousing company. But I always went home to my PC because it made a lot more sense to me, just because I'd been using one my whole life. So. I moved to Mac because my kids used it at school. And I'd always had PCs. I always liked PCs. And then uh, I had to learn it to teach my kids. And I moved over. We have time for one more question. Who wants to be the last question? Don't everybody jump at once. <laughs> you don't want to scare us. Yes, sir. Yes. Either or, as long as it's yeah. well done. I mean, it, it's coincidental that Zombies of Mass Destruction, you know, comes with a message. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's fantastic. But, but then again, Zombieland, what was the message there? You know, yeah. don't go to Bill Murray's house. I don't yeah, know. Was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, stay away. <laughs> and Twinkies, right. And people love Twinkies, and there you go. So it, as long as it's done well, I think you can come at it nicely from any given angle. All right. Well, is that all? Well, thank you so much for coming and for putting up with us. Where am I supposed to be?